Grab Bag, the podcast reviewing games from the Game Pass collection, bringing you three unique perspectives from varying skill range. I am your wonderful host and hardcore gamer, Andrew. With me, as always, is our experienced gamer, Keith, who can't quite figure it out. What's up, everybody? And of course, next to me is my wonderful life and resident noob, Liz. Hey, y'all. And today, uh, we're going over what remains of Edith Finch, which was Liz's pick. Uh, I guess... To start off beforehand, uh, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode. We're going to obviously be talking a lot about the story, which is the majority of this game. So if you haven't played this game and you're really interested in it, overall, I mean, I think we can all agree that it's worth playing, right? Absolutely, yeah. So if you want to kind of be kept away from spoilers, I recommend downloading and just playing it. It's a pretty quick game, but it's really good. So you have been warned. So Liz, this was your pick. Explain to us, why did you pick Edith Finch? Well, there's two main reasons. The first is because I heard it's super short and I want to finally finish a game, you know? <laughs> and then so the other reason is because the last time I played like a first person adventure game was when I played a little bit of Firewatch and I thought it was a lot of fun, but I didn't really do too much with it. I more watched Andrew play. So I thought it would be fun to try it out again. Yeah, that game gave you anxiety over like the simplest thing. Oh things. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, was, I always thought I was going to do something wrong. So, but yeah. Right. Well, to give a quick synopsis of this game, you are playing a character named Edith Finch, and you are returning back to your old family house to kind of investigate as to what happened to your family, because at this point, all your family members have died, and you always heard these stories that your family was cursed. So you're going back to your house to kind of explore the rooms of your old family members to kind of see what is going on with your family, and why is it that everyone kind of seems to have these unfortunate ends so I guess starting off, I guess we should, I guess we shouldn't talk about the story because I guess we'll do it at the end. Because overall, what did you guys think of this game? I I thought the graphics of it were really nice, gameplay was good, but I don't know. What did you guys think of uh, the overall atmosphere of the game? Because right off the bat, you can even tell with the box art of the game. I think the most distinct thing is the house because it's like a typical house, and then you can see like numerous buildings attached to this house. And I thought they actually did a really cool job with it. I, they actually did a really good job, like, in the middle of the Washington forest. It's just this really kind of tall house that looks like it's just assembled together by random parts. Yeah, I, so I I think the same. I First and foremost, again, the game takes about three hours to play. It, it just it really is a walkthrough, so I highly recommend just playing it more than anything. But I thought the scenery was, I think, fantastic, like, so it might not have been overall the best graphically, but I feel like every aspect of the house was so unique in a way. And I don't know about you guys, because I think you watched at least most of the shows. It gave me a very like Lemony Snicket's feel. I think the way you said yeah. things like pieced together. That's a good description. But of it's it. it's all so very unique. Like so, each and every room that you go into, there's a lot of teasers and things that kind of kind of back up or are linked to the story that you're about to find out about the person you're watching. So I just think it's such a finely woven story that it's amazing in so many ways. 
I definitely agree. My favorite part of the game was definitely the different art styles. So we, they obviously have like the comic book scene, which tells one story. And then at the beginning, I think that it's maybe the first one that you see the story of how they die. It's a little girl and she's imagining herself as the different creatures hunting. And um, the way that they did everything, everything was like so unique and so that was definitely my favorite part. Yeah, the game play of it, I thought was actually really interesting, like how you're describing it, Liz. So this kind of game is generally described as a walking simulator, which is kind of, I guess, meant to be as like a derogatory term. But there really isn't too much you do in the game. It's more of just about exploring the story. But this game, yeah, as you're going and seeing your different family members pass, it completely changes the gameplay. Like each one did something different. So yeah, as Liz was saying, yeah, your first time you're changing these different creatures and trying to hunt other creatures while you're progressing through the story. And the creatures move different too. Like yeah. the cat versus the, the shark. Octopus. The, the, the shark was yeah. one of my favorites on that. So what's yeah. kind of actually funny about that, it, like I was just saying, with the way the rooms kind of tell the stories at the same time, if you look through that girl's room, Molly, there's hanging on the door. I took a screenshot of it. A, they're kind of just little animal masks hanging from the doorway and one is an owl and that's the big the big main one there's a cat there's a rabbit and then the other one looks like a little beak i think from the songbird that you eat as the cat but there's also a shark it's so the whole her whole story is represented just in her in her room so i thought that was really cool i kind of thought the actual like gameplay itself was a little bit confusing i mean i well maybe not confusing but unnecessary so obviously you have the uh scene where you're on the swing and when you're flying the kite and for me i actually think that this game could have just been a movie and been just as much fun i felt like and especially when you're walking about the house you're kind of navigated by the script it kind of shows you where you need to go so don't think you actually really did much and i i really think that I wish it was a movie instead. I just didn't think that like the movements and stuff were necessary. No, I see. I disagree with that. By at least being the character and doing just the simple mechanics, I felt like you had more of an attachment to this character than just watching them because you kind of would understand the problem with the characters. So like uh, the uncle that's in the basement, you're just doing the same motion of opening a can of peaches and eating it. But that's, you're kind of understanding and seeing the repetition of his day and understanding like why he's going mad. Well, or when you're playing show that. I just like I want the game to be exactly what it is without just like having to do anything cuz I feel like you did something every like 20 minutes and for me it was like I was getting comfortable watching the story and it's like oh I'm going to move the controller again. But just watching him open a can of peaches would be boring. But then you have like Calvin who is trying to go on the swing and you're trying to make him do it like I remember watching you play. You yourself were swinging your body trying to get higher and higher. And I think that was kind of the whole purpose of it. If you're just watching a boy swing and then end up falling off, I don't think it's as interesting. But the fact that you're trying yourself, moving your body forward, trying to get this kid to get higher and higher, I think it gives you a better connection with the character. Some of the ones I kind of agree with. Well, you sort of alluded to this already, Andrew, is that in and of itself it's called a walking simulator and i think that's probably one of the biggest complaints about out of all of these types of games is what liz is saying is that you know you don't have the ability or you'd rather just watch it as a movie rather than play it out as a game but i lean towards you andrew 
where you get this more of an attachment where you're actually playing the characters, where you're doing the motion. Like if if I was watching a movie, um, you know, the, the character Lewis, your brother, who you go into that little fantasy world, the fact that you have to sit there and control the motion of him with a fish while also controlling the animations of like the little fantasy world i think that also plays into like you said of really connecting with the character of he was trying to live this like dual world where you know it's like he had this mindless motion going over here but he had to think about everything that he had in his little fantasy world so i i think this game was better as a game than it should be as a movie myself yeah i'm more with you on that one keith not that I'm disagreeing with you. Well, I just thought it was interesting with, with the I, game that I mentioned earlier with Firewatch. You actually could choose where you were going to go. So there was actually, I mean, the only choice you really had in this game was during Lewis's story. You had um, three sets of two options, which didn't really like do anything if you changed it, I don't think. No. But besides that, you didn't have you didn't have any choice. I'd rather just focus on the story instead of being like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing right now? But I get your point. I'm just saying. Like, no, but I think also a nice thing about it is to your point even, Liz, is that you can get everything out of it by watching it. So I think with the world we live in today where people can record and stream their games, people are putting out their recordings of these games. You could really just sit down and watch this all on YouTube, I'm sure. I'm sure someone's done it and you don't have to play it, but I do think that playing it really adds an additional part to the experience is the, is the big thing. I can understand where you're coming from, Liz, when it comes to seeing the stories of the family members, but to everything else, I think it's absolute must that you're actually controlling the character because yes, you can just quickly run to the room, do the vision of like how the family member died and go to the next room, but you won't get much out of this. As Keith was saying when he was describing Molly's bedroom, he was finding little hidden Easter eggs and, oh, here's an image of a shark, here's the image of a bird and a cat. You can kind of see the family members' personalities by actually looking around their room and seeing the portraits they have and the things they collected and things they like held dear to themselves. So if you, it was just a movie, you wouldn't have been able to explore any of that. And I think exploring the house is awesome. I said earlier that I would still want to look the same, like the the whole like walkthrough kind of vibe and stuff. It's just a preference. So you are you saying you would more just want cutscenes of the family members like diaries? No, like I like the game the way that it is. Like everything the way that you're like the character is walking around and exploring the house um, for the first time in years and I just wish that you like I didn't actually have to do anything because I there's just so little that you do that you're just like you're watching the story for like 20 minutes and then you have to like oh I gotta do something now if there was more to it like if there was more that you do I would keep it as a game but I just think that because there is so little my personal preference would be to just watch it as a movie all right I see where you're coming from I'm not saying it shouldn't be a game. I'm just saying my personal preference. But I do think Keith's point is good that with like a game like this, you can just watch it on YouTube. And I mean, I, I still think that you you know should give it a shot. But I personally like I think it would have been just as entertaining for me watching it on YouTube. See, I the reason I don't think I would enjoy watching it on YouTube too is because I think it would be harder to keep track of a lot of the stories and what's going on. Which I think that's one thing that it's, this game did really well is you have a journal that you're writing a family tree of like your family members. And if at any point you forget kind of who the family members are, you can just press a button and you see the family tree. 
So when you hear other family members talking about, oh, our great aunt Molly, she died this way, you can be like, wait, who was that? And you can open your book and kind of see who she was and how she died. So I thought it was actually really nice because to get a quick refresher just by quickly looking at your book. But the game's so short that you really don't forget the characters. I mean, I think I looked at it once, but it's so short that, I mean, you don't really forget people. Well, there's like that much. a good 12 characters or so. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's, if it's hard to like, if you don't see their face for me, I've, I'm more of a visual rememberer. So like for me, it's hard to remember like faces if I, if, or names if I just hear it. You really don't like my opinion. <laughs> It's just an opinion, guys. It's not that I don't like it. You're just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Hey, I feel like I was a lot nicer about it than Andrew was. (laughs) But, uh, so I kind of want to get into it, though. I want to hear, what was your guys' theories of this game? Like, or the overall story? So the whole story is kind of, your family's cursed, and you're trying to figure out, is there actually a curse, or like, what is going on with your family? Do you guys actually think there's a curse? Or do you think this is all kind of like, wild imaginations? I want to go last. I so here's my theories. thing is I think <laughs> I think it's basically all or at least what I would say is that it reminds me a lot of House on Haunted Hill. But the only difference is I don't think that there's any curse whatsoever. I don't think there's anything really supernatural that's happening throughout any of it. I think this family is unfortunately cursed with a lot of mental illness, and I think it leads to a lot of bad situations that they put themselves in in the family. And I think... So I, I guess that's my thing about it, is I don't think there's anything supernatural about it, but I guess there is something to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I mean, I kind of like that theory, the uh, House on a Haunted Hill theory, because, I mean, if anyone's ever watched that show on Netflix, the whole premise is that basically the house is trying to consume the family, and it consumes the family by, like, killing them when they're happy. And it makes sense in this, because a lot of the family members, when they died, they were happy or, like... They were doing the things that they love. Which, did we even explain that Odin, the first guy in the family... Um, the great-great-grandfather. He brought the house over from Norway. Did we explain that? No, we didn't. So Odin, the the patriarch of the family, he originally brought the house from Norway to the United States, which are in Washington, to escape the curse. And then it ended up... Um, the boat sank. And so the house, you can see it from where they built the house. But you said that the chimney from the original was in their new house? Supposedly. That's what Edith says when you explore the house, is that the chimney in the house is from the original one that's out in the ocean. So the house on your theory of house on Hunted Hill, I think, is actually kind of interesting, Keith, because you can see, yeah, still see the house in the distance. So it's kind of like ominous, like it's staring at this new family in their like new house that they're building. So it kind of seems like this house is trying to consume the family. And then since they built the chimney out of the original house, it could have still be bringing the curse to their new house because they took it from the old house and it could be the house that is cursed itself. But my theory is that the great grandmother, Edie, uh, the daughter of Odin, the, uh, the patriarch who was bringing the house over, I actually am theorizing that she is murdering majority of the family. I don't think all of them, but so she was with the, on the boat with Odin when they were coming over to America and Odin gets lost at sea, supposedly. But once again, Edie could have easily thrown him overboard. And then once they get there, they have three kids. They have Molly, Calvin, and Walter. <laughs> I don't remember. So the story with Molly is that she was sent to bed early without dinner. And because of that, she's really hungry. And so she ends up eating a bunch of things in her room, including some holly berries, which are poisonous. 
So you can kind of figure her whole story is just an hallucination before she ends up dying. But the reason I think Edie murdered her, I mean, because who puts holly berries well, in a little kid's room? And then when you're playing Molly, you're... It was. Because when, That's you, go, true. when you go under the book, okay. there's Christmas music playing. She has a little mock-up Christmas tree in her room. So it was Christmas time, so the holly berries actually make sense. Yeah, because it is December when it says... But also her door is locked. So I think it is. it could just be a, a convenient reason as to why the holly berries are there. And then you have the uh, boy Calvin who ends up falling off a swing set and dying. When you're playing it, it's him trying to fly, but he's all alone. And you could easily, he could have easily gone and thrown him off a cliff and then did an elaborate story that he jumped off the swing and killed himself. Then you had Walter who's down in the basement who is just, who sits there for like 30 years eating cans. And Edith says, there's only one time I saw Grandma, Grandma Edie going down there. And that could have been the one time that she murdered Walter because he ends up dying by getting hit by a train, which once again, Edie could have easily thrown him in front of a train and then did this elaborate story about him. But yeah, she never brings any packages except for one time. And then sure enough, he dies. Then you have Barbara who dies from a home invasion, which Edie is bringing her husband's friend to the hospital, but she could easily go home and kill the Barbara. And the baby Gregory, when you play his story, it's just a frog who apparently hits the faucet and ends up drowning the baby well i thought it was weird because the mom comes in after talking on the i think after talking on the phone and unplugs it so all the water drains out and then somehow the water fills back up again so i mean that doesn't make sense at all but that's why i think Edie is murdering and also to like kind of like go with your point a little bit i mean it was Edie's idea to have the graveyard and to make the bedrooms kind of like shrines i mean I feel like she's kind of like no, the mastermind. No, it wasn't Edie. Of... Edie didn't yeah, she was the memorializing. That was the mother. The mother sealed up all of them. No, she locked them up, but she, but she's the one that wanted to preserve them. Edie wanted to preserve them. The mom is the one. Okay, that oh, them I up. get you. I see what you're saying. I... That makes sense. Yeah, like, there were a lot of deaths. Like, uh, for instance, Sam with the hunting. The reason why, like, I also kind of think maybe just like the regular curse might be involved is because i mean you look at his death and any real hunter checks to make sure the animal was dead before going around like like taking pictures and stuff not only is it humane but to prevent something like that from happening so it's like i mean i don't understand how he could be that stupid so but then oh sorry so Edie could have killed sam too i think she could have shot him with a rifle and it just looks like he gets hit by a deer and falls over but the only reason I don't think there's a curse is because of Sam. He goes in the military. And like as Edith was saying, he was the only family member that like actively sought out death. He was in the military and like did it like when you explore his room, like everything's about guns and hunting in the military. And yet he lives a perfectly fine life until he comes back to the house where Edie is. So that's why I think possibly Edie was able to kill him. Which I was so irritated that you don't end up finding out the rest of the story that Edie wrote for Edith. Yes. It's ripped away from her. So the night that, I think it was the night that Edith was born, the water, um, oh, how do I word that? There was an earth, it says like there was an earthquake. Tide. Yeah. yeah. The, the water uh, went away and you, she could actually walk to the original house. And it's ripped away, you don't really know. But I think, like, with the theories, I think my biggest disappointment in the game 
is the ending because it kind of like ruins all the fun theories that you can come up with. Because for me, it was just anticlimactic. Like the mom ends up dying of an illness and then Edith dies during childbirth. And I just thought it was so lame that it was just like, really, that's what you're giving me? Like, because I mean, you can leave it open-ended so you come up with your own conclusion, whether it's a house, whether it's Edie, whether it's a curse. But when you kind of throw that in, and it kind of had like a, a Edith, like what she said at the end, I forget it um, verbatim, but it was very cookie cutter. And then obviously her son, like years later, comes back. So that was like the only thing that really disappointed me with the game. Because I feel like it does kind of just ruin all the theories where it's like, oh, maybe. No, I do agree though. Like, I, I do kind of wish that it, I mean, I kind of wish they did explain a little bit more. For me, my biggest, bad, my biggest disappointment is they didn't give a full story to Edie, the mother Dawn, and to Edith. Because for them, it was just like a quick five seconds of, oh, Edie disappeared. Your mom just got sick and died, and then Edith died in childbirth. Which you just saw like, Edie's grave in the graveyard, correct? Yes. When I was playing it, you, yeah. And because that's what the thing I've been reading a little bit online is like some people think that she ran away because all Edith says is the next morning Edie was gone. So it kind of can be interpreted as she ran away or she just died, which I don't think she ran away because she's like a 96-year-old woman with a walker. I think Edie killed herself. As Liz was saying, when you're doing this story as Edie walking to the house, you're seeing a bunch of mementos from the various family members. And I think that could have been like her guilt, kind of seeing some of the things. And then the last night when they're having Chinese food, she's drinking alcohol, which the mother Dawn says... You know, you can't be drinking that with your medication. So I think Edie was trying to commit suicide. Which I wasn't sure about the connection with Milton. So everyone's saying that there's Easter eggs about it with like another game. Milton is the son that went missing. Yeah, he's the only Finch, I guess, that technically isn't dead. Because he is missing, which... So it's interesting you brought that up because I actually was curious, trying to see if there was anything alluding to that. So this game is from um, a small studio called Giant Sparrow. And this is their second game they made. Their first game they made was The Unfinished Swan. So they were kind of saying that the brother that's missing, Milton, is actually the main character in The Unfinished Swan. Because in The Unfinished Swan, it's the same premise as to what happened to the brother. You know, you find a magical paintbrush that teleports you to a world where you're drawing a painting. And you're basically trying to fill in the painting, and that's how you're exploring the world. So that was kind of their nod to their other game saying that, oh, the character left this game to go to that game. Well, that could be like another mental illness kind of. It could. With, with, Keith, uh, with what Keith was saying. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, <clears throat> Honestly, I think that's just the thing that makes most sense to me. I, I, I see it's weird because I think it would be pretty elaborate for Edie to have to go out and like snipe her husband, Sam, or not her husband, but to snipe Sam. No, that wasn't her husband. It's her, her son. son. But either way, like that'd be pretty aggressive for her to go out and start doing things like that. So that's why I still don't necessarily think she's killing them. Well, the reason I think like it is aggressive, but maybe she was frustrated because he went off to the war and he's been out of the house. And now that he's finally back, she's like, oh, I have an opportunity. But she's I kind of think it is. Yeah, I think she is like, I think she is crazy. Because when you go to her room too, she has a ton of bird cages. Once again, memorializing all the dead pets that she's had. And her husband, Sven, who came from Norway with her and Odin, he's the one who's been building this house. He's a master carpenter. He's the one who's been building all these puzzles in the house. He apparently dies by building a dragon slide, which when you look in Edie's room, has a picture of him falling off the dragon slide. 
So she took a picture at the perfect time he's falling off this slide and he dies. And she has it framed in her room. Like, who keeps a picture of her husband just about to die? Well, and same then, with Sam. They have the picture of Sam. That's true, too. And Sam when he gets when he falls off the cliff. But that's exactly it. I think she just can't let go. I think that's, like, her thing is she's just so attached to everything that she can't let go of any of it. Possibly, because the house is a hoarder house. They have, like, just books everywhere and old wrappers and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just I, – I think it's about getting away from the insanity that is Edie. Is, so I think maybe you're right in a sense that she is a cause of it, but I think that's what drives everyone to insanity, to be honest. And I think, like Molly, for a perfect example, I don't think she intentionally killed Molly, but I think she sent her to bed without dinner. It was like the early 30s. That was a thing you did back then to punish a kid, and then the kid just ate holly berries, and you don't think about that because it was just Christmas time and things are, are decorated. So I think she holds on to that as far as like she m- murdered her child basically unintentionally and so i think it just got worse and worse throughout the years and that's where i think it has a lot to do with that so not necessarily Edie killing people intentionally but i think she leads to the death of again maybe or again she was calling out to calvin but she could have just walked out and got him and she would have been out there to stop him but instead she stood inside and she called him so i think she feels guilt for things that happened that were outside of her control but if you did feel guilty, would you not like keep the things to like memorialize That's exactly them? Exactly what she does. Because yeah, yeah. But why? But if you felt guilty, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that reminder that you were a terrible parent and your kid died because of your stupid decisions. Because Molly Room's untouched, so it's like it's your fault that this kid yeah, died. Because she wants to just um, pretend Gus, like it. He gets crushed by a totem, and the totem is still there. Like, wouldn't you? No, she wants stuff? to pretend like it never even happened at all. Like, she's living in this fantasy world where it just never even happened. But if this curse is killing people for generations, I mean, if the family curse was happening before they even got to the United States, that's why they went there. I mean, don't you think that they would start, like, really trying to protect the people in the family? Like, for instance, like, Barbara with the home invasion. And, I mean, the ro- I mean, how many, like, strange ways can people die before people are like, hey, maybe we should look out for each other. Like, we keep dropping, like, flies. Like, if there is a curse... Like, let's look out for each other. But they don't have that mentality. See, but I don't think it's a curse because Edie's the only one that truly believes it and relishes in telling these stories. Well, I meant they believed it. Like, if they believe that there was a curse. See, but no one no one really believes it's a curse until your mother Dawn. Like, when you're playing all these other characters, no one's ever saying, oh, it's a curse, we need to be careful. It's only until kind of Edie is feeding into it and then, like, your mother Dawn is like, no, I'm getting out of this house. I'm sick of these stories and this curse. But no one else in the family really believes it. So it's like, what's killing them? Not believing in the curse or believing in the curse? Well, so here is one thing, actually, that is interesting. And I, I this might be a little bit out of place. But you made a, you made a point of the whole storyline with Milton. And I knew I had seen this somewhere, so I was digging it up. So I apologize if it's a little late. But it was, it was a Reddit AMA where one of the developers actually responded to a question about the Milton and he said, yes, I'd consider it canon. He said also worth pointing out since I've seen some confusion about this online, Milton is the king, not the protagonist in the unfinished one. The protagonist already has his own perfectly serviceable name, which is Monroe. So Milton literally did disappear into the unfinished one, right? Is that not what that would mean? So maybe yeah. there is some supernatural to this game. That's what I said earlier. No, I know you did, but did you say like, I thought you said it was an Easter egg, 
in that they because I thought you because I thought <laughs> no I thought you were saying it differently that it was just like a nod to their game whereas this is them literally saying it is part of the same game like the two worlds are connected is what they're saying they're not just alluding to their own game and that's how I understood what you said because there's a difference there going with the supernatural theory with Milton and everything that's still like I feel like the ending ruins it what do you oh by not explaining everything well no because I mean like Dawn and Edith they they still die I mean it kind of like oh so is, is there it can the way that Edith words it at the end when I was saying earlier about like the cookie cutter part, I mean, she she pretty much I don't know. I feel like you just scrap everything that I just said. <laughs> so I want to look up what Edith says at the end because it is super cookie cutter, and it like. Well, no, she. So the whole purpose is Edith is writing all the dialogue is Edith writing in a journal to her unborn son, which at the end you see the son laying flowers at Edith's grave. So the whole premise is like Edith trying to explain to the son what is going on with his family and how he should interpret it himself and to basically continue the journey of the Finches, whether to believe in a curse or not. It's kind of what I was getting at, I guess, with it. The other thing I kind of want to ask you guys is what was your guys' favorite story? Oh, good question. You go first, Liz. This is your pick. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> I, should, I, like, I figured this question would be asked. But, like, it changes for me. Well, so I, I I, think I would say mine was Lewis. I just thought that was the most interesting one. I liked the little side quest thing you got to do. It just seemed like the most interactive and probably... This the was the most brutal. It was, it was but it was, yeah. it was at least... It was the one that stood out to me as, like, a very unique... Like, I've never done this in a video game before. It was the only time I've ever had to do something like that, I guess. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, his story was cool because it was – I liked how the graphics improved on it. It first started at a as a top-down, black-and-white Dungeons & Dragons kind of navigation, and then it evolved into this expansive city, and then it kind of became a third person. It was really cool. Yeah, and it, and it really like it really helped tell the storyline of, of his progression into this just living this fake life or just imagining it all. So I thought it was really cool. Which, speaking of Lewis's story, to kind of help with your haunted house theory, Keith, at the end of Lewis's story, it shows all of his people that he created, but then the cat Molly is there too, in which the psychiatrist was saying was an animal that was guiding him. So I think the Molly, which is the name of one of the kids who died, the, one of the first kids who died. Who turns into a cat. Kid. Who ate the holly berry. Yeah, who turns into a cat during your story. They got this pet, uh, Edith was saying, that they found it as a stray cat and they named it Molly. But it could have been kind of like a familiar of the house that was kind of whispering into the family members' ears to kind of either kill themselves or to steer them to the direction of their uh, unfortunate ends. I mean, Because, yeah, you hear from a couple of the stories of the cat. Yeah, see, I'm torn between Keith's pick and also I was really intrigued by Barbara's because not only was it the comic book style, which I thought was an interesting twist um, with the art style, but you don't really f- find out what happens to her. Like, her, at the end of it, her ear is in the music box, correct? Yes, or supposedly. Supposedly. But in the comic, she's killed by monsters. And they you, they never find her body, correct? No, they find her body, I'm pretty sure. Because she at least... I'm pretty sure they find her body. Because if you look in the house... so. In Barbara's story, she hits a monster who's invading the house off the ledge. 
and he breaks the ledge. But if you actually go to the house when you're playing as Edith, you see that that ledge is broken. So like that part of the story is true. There was somebody, she fought him and they fell off. So she must have just was murdered in the house somewhere. But as far as like her only finding her ear, I don't know about that, but I think they actually did find her body. But they still don't find out like what happened to her. Like, I mean, was it a disgruntled ex? Was it, you know? Yeah, because since her story is supposed to be a comic book, which comic books are kind of fabricated stories. Well, granted, all these stories are supposed to be slightly fabricated. It is kind of harder to interpret that one. I always just got the impression that she was just murdered from a home invasion on Halloween. There was something to it, though. Don't they show the little brother hiding under the bed? So, like, so yeah. he saw He's what happened. Yeah, went to the bunker. In which I was actually going to say, it's. I, I enjoyed his story. I don't know if I would say he's my favorite, but yeah, Walter's story with that was interesting because he's the one who's in the bunker just eating fruit day in, day out. And he keeps saying there's a monster. And when you're playing his story, yeah, he's in a bunker and you just see like a violent shaking around that he keeps talking that that's the monster at the door trying to get in. So he did see something, but granted it was Halloween. So a home invader was probably dressed up as some sort of creature that killed his sister. I don't think she actually was mauled and eaten by a bunch of monsters like the car- uh, comic book said. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. No, but I thought it was at least interesting and it, it all kind of ties together. I mean, obviously, because it is a story about the family, so I guess it should all tie together. But I just thought it was really interesting the way that they told the story. I, And that's something that beyond even just the small gameplay aspects that they did, I thought they did just an overall fantastic job telling the story. Aside from what yeah. I will agree with you, it's kind of weak on the ending, I will say. I mean, you find out pretty early she's pregnant, or at least kind of figure it out. And I noticed, actually, I went back and I just kind of replayed a couple of the ones I I couldn't do the first time, or, you know, for various reasons. And I happened to notice, if you look down with the camera, you can actually see she's got a little baby bump. You, yeah. So you can actually visually see she's pregnant. So they not really a secret i guess well they say when she's climbing she says oh i would have picked um to come here before i was pregnant or something along those yeah lines. 22 weeks pregnant yeah oh yeah she does finally say it, but that's like towards the end of the story so yeah they do finally say it but i was like i was like i just thought it was kind of cool that they put it in there though if, if you were kind of looking for it i guess but uh i would have to say overall my favorite story i'd have to probably go with molly's i thought molly's was interesting because it was also kind of creepy because it's She's like, what, like 10 years old or something like that? Yep. She's very morbid with her stories because she's talking about how she's eating rabbits whole and they're watching you in your eyes as you eat them, the rabbits whole. And then same with like the when you're the shark and how you ripped off a seal's flipper. It's like, man, this little girl's really morbid. So I thought her story was interesting, but I, I liked it because of the gameplay. It kept switching. Like first, yeah, you're playing a cat jumping through a tree, chasing a bird. Then you're an owl swooping down, picking up rabbits. Then you're a shark tumbling down a mountain and then eating seals, and then you're monster eating humans. I want to know why she was sent to bed early. I mean, if she's going to because she's psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's kind of funny too. I one of the things I thought was really interesting about that though, just as a point of again the storytelling and just the way that the game was, is this just absolute contrast between her room and that story. To your point, it's this pink and princesses and girly and cute and adorable and then she's just viciously ripping the heads off of of rabbits and like enjoying <laughs> so it was just really interesting yeah, that's true. but uh i i do wish yeah the ending gave a little bit more depth into the it was specifically edith because i wanted to know like how is she a 17 year old that's 22 weeks pregnant 
Because not only that, her mother died like a year or so ago. So if she, if your mother died probably like a year or so ago before you came to this house, that means Edith is probably within foster care because there's no more finches. So it's like, do you think she was like sexually assaulted? Do you, and like, that's why she's pregnant? Or is it just being morbid? Because like, she probably doesn't have any friends. She's in this new foster house. I don't know. Well, for, yeah, I mean, like you have, I guess the point, because I mean, it does take place during like present times. I, I mean, because if you look at the gravestones, I mean, it is in the 2010s. That, that, that's yeah, I think it's supposed to be 2018. Yeah, 2018. And I mean, I think every single teenager in the United States knows how to make a baby. Yeah. So, I mean, it was either a choice or something bad happened. Yeah, so that uh, was like a little bit more of a story to her. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I honestly don't know that it like that's even an important part of the story, I guess. is Because it's, it's all about their deaths. And so I guess, yeah, she dies in childbirth, which isn't all that fantastical by any means. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I just don't think it's really important how she got pregnant. Because... Otherwise, they would have told something. They would have. They would have said something about it that mattered if it did. So, which, by the way, too, I also thought it was kind of gross playing the scene of you going through the birth canal. <laughs> it was of like a seventeen-year-old. I'm kind of like, ah, oh, this is a little weird. And like, yeah, you're you're swimming through, and like the words, the dialects are going through. I was just like, oh, this is kind of gross. This is weird. I mean, they were, they were very. Uh, low quality about it, obviously for good reasons. <laughs> but it was it was a little more than I needed. But at the end of the day, I thought it was kind of interesting. It, the it sound really, effects were too much. It, no, but it really did at least kind of close out the story. Whether or not it was like a really good wow ending, it still it came full circle on itself in a way that I felt like it made sense, and it wasn't too graphic or in your face that. I, I was grossed no. out by it. I was just trying to think, like, besides, obviously, Edith and Dawn, were there any deaths that weren't just bad decisions? Because, like, I'm thinking the Hollyberries. I mean, she didn't know better because she was a kid, but still, like, kind of dumb decision. Like, the bunker, the rope swing, the drowning, the hunting. Gus getting smashed suicide. by a totem during a storm. Yeah, these, these are all preventable things. These are all bad decisions. The only thing I can think of is Barbara. Yeah. But maybe just like a family of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Their curse is idiocy. I mean, but it kind of like, if you look at it, I mean, with the rope swing, I mean, falling off of a cliff and like all these different things, it's like, they were all preventable except for the last two. Yeah. Because I mean, they're in the middle of the forest and you put a, uh, you put a swing right next to a cliff. Like, come on. But Edie did it. <laughs> 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 that's why I think Edie killed everyone. She's a crotchety old woman that just wanted to murder her family so she can memorialize I didn't know she was crotchety. What if she was just like a nice, pleasant old lady? And she also wasn't crotchety when Molly died in like 1947. She would have been like 20 some odd years old. So <laughs> I don't think you're crotchety at 20 years old. Well, I don't know. Maybe you can be, but I don't know how that works. So, But I guess another big disappointment I had in this game because one thing I really kind of enjoy about these games are hidden stories. Because there's a good amount of like of these just walking simulator games that also kind of like a hidden side story. And I was really hoping that this game had one. And it would have been fantastic if they did with the achievements. But unfortunately, the achievements were very, they're super missable, but they're easy to do. And you can go back to previous stories once you beat the game. And 
I was hoping for the achievements to kind of encourage you to explore and maybe find like a little collectible here and there. Because uh, like going back, thinking about it, uh, another walking simulator game I played was uh, Gone Home. And they, they had a couple of achievements where it's like, oh, find the rubber ball, bring it to your sister's room and like shoot a basketball with it. And it actually plays a hidden message when you do that. So it was like these cool Easter eggs that the achievements kind of led you to. But unfortunately, this game was just really kind of missable and they were just super simple. But if you're an achievement hunter, this is an easy 1,000 points to pad your score. Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say to other than that, I thought it was nice to get the easy thousand. That's why I went back and picked up the game again for about 35 minutes. And I had everything I needed. So, yeah, pretty easy. But I guess going to final thoughts, Liz, do you want to tell us what you thought of this game? It's your pick. Oh, can I go last? No, it's your pick. You go first. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so. Why do you want to go last? Wait, what's the Metacritic score? I'm curious. Tell you after. Oh, geez. So, <laughs> I think. I keep going back and forth with what I want to give it. I'm thinking 75, 80 maybe, which seems a little low, but I enjoyed it when I was playing it. I do think that there should have been either more or less gameplay, um, personal preference. Either way, my biggest disappointment was definitely the ending. It kind of took the fun out of the game. I thought it was um, like Edith's closing statements were a little cheesy like i said earlier a little cookie cutter and it kind of took away from the mystery of it all so uh, yeah i mean it's super quick super easy and i thought the story was very interesting i know i sound negative i thought the story and the deaths i mean they did a fantastic job with the artwork and i thought the voice acting was good for me the the major bummer is the ending that, I think that's the chunk of my points. Because with a story that, I mean, this was three hours long, the ending is kind of important. See, for me, I would probably give this game probably about an 85. As a hardcore gamer, you know, every once in a while I like to enjoy these kind of games. It's just simple. It's relaxing. I, I enjoy a really good story. And the ending, I do agree. I wish they gave a little more depth to it. But I also like what they did because, once again, we've been able to talk about this game for over 40 minutes about theories and I do like that. I do like a game that kind of makes you think and come up with your own conclusions in these fun discussions. I just wish there was a little bit more hidden for you to kind of explore and reward you for your exploration. But I thought the environment was top notch. I really loved going to these different rooms and kind of seeing the characters' personalities. I loved the dialogue. All the dialogue actually had text, but the text wasn't just like written on your screen. It was always like part of the world. The text would either be like blowing through the wind or the words would be stacked on a shelf that would disappear and crumble. It all kind of, the text changed depending on whose story you were playing. So I absolutely loved how they did this environment and the music. And it just, it made the world feel really cool and interesting. And I enjoy creating theories of this game, but yes. I wish there was a way to kind of, once again, like I'm saying with the collectibles, like if you're able to go around the house and collect pieces of a key to open that library and finally get the ever other half of the story. Like that's what I was looking for. Cause you find out in Edith's story that there's a secret passage, but you can't open it in, in like any other time. Yeah, I wish there was just a little bit more rewarding with that. But yeah, here you talk about the art style. I do think I would go closer to 80. Cause I mean, they did such a wonderful job with this game. The art, the stories, 
um, a changing it from comic book style and and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I, but yeah, with the book that's ripped from Edith's hand, that and the ending, yeah. So I, I'd give it an eighty. So for me, I I think we're probably I guess all on about the same track. I think I'm more I'd say probably at that eighty five range. Because I think there's just a lot to be appreciated about this game. I, I'm not going to reiterate all of it, but you know it. The the music, the artwork, everything, it's just fantastic. And I guess, too, from my perspective, I do care about my gamer score. And, boy, there's so many games I just can't build it up on because there's so many things I can't do. So if you're looking for a game like we talked about to easily just say hey look i'm gonna take three hours i'm gonna watch an interesting story and easily get a thousand gamer score absolutely worth it and and like i said you'll be entertained along the way so i think it's a fantastic game and and it deserves high praise you're gonna tell me the metacritic now right yeah so (laughs) we're actually a little shy (laughs) she's been waiting the metacritic on the xbox is that it's, it's a 90. so we're pretty close but overall well, I'm always interested in the user score. The user score is a 7.3. So the user score is a little bit lower than what we were saying. Because with a game like this, it's very hit or miss with people. Which I looked it up earlier in the week, and I completely forgot what the Metacritic score was. But I did look it up when I first played it. And I looked through some of the user things, and uh, I looked through some of the user scores. And one big complaint was that there wasn't enough gameplay. But that's the, the, but that's the side of this game, and that's what I mean. Well, this game's hit or miss with people. Well, people wrote. Yes. So. So I think that's kind of unfair. Some people gave it a zero for that, and it's just, like really like because it is a walkthrough game. Yes, and I always think that's a little like selfish of people to kind of do that. Like you just can't. Some people just can't appreciate just like a <laughs> calm, relaxing art style kind of game. But you just sounded like a hipster. I know I did. <laughs> But hey, I appreciate these games. I like this game before it was cool. <laughs> I did. Well, I was going to say, I think I found a reason why Liz doesn't like this game. So the studio behind it, or one of the studios behind it, Annapurna. You know what game Annapurna was also behind? Ashen! Ashen. Oh, that's right. Exactly. I should have given it a 75. But they were just a publisher. <laughs> they had nothing to do with the game. I don't care. Yeah, but they, it's, they put their name on it. It's everything Liz hates in this world. So right now, this game—if someone doesn't have Game Pass, full retail—it's twenty bucks. Would you guys recommend this to a friend who doesn't have Game Pass? I think that I would. I well, it's hard because it is three hours. But I mean, when you're going to the movies, you get some popcorn. It's twenty bucks, you know. Yeah. Well, so, you generally have a date with you. And buying two tickets and popcorn—it's a pricey date. Oh yeah, so that's like forty Speak bucks. Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> your big solo movie person <laughs> um i think art style alone it's worth 20 bucks yeah yeah i have always such a hard time justifying a price tag for these kinds of games i would maybe i recommend 10 bucks because for me as a hardcore gamer i do enjoy these games but there just isn't much reason to ever go back to them there's not like if there's like hidden easter eggs and stuff like that it would have been cool but it's hard to justify 20 bucks I think the studio did a fantastic job. I'm not saying that this game doesn't deserve the $20. I think it does. It's just, as a hardcore gamer, it's hard for me to justify it. Because anytime I've played any like these walking simulator games, I would always kind of wait till they're on sale to about 10 bucks. Because I only know I'm only going to get a couple hours and then never touch the game again. But I do enjoy my time with them. So 
I'd say 10 bucks, but since this game's on Game Pass, I actually say this is a must download for I would say everybody. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Andrew. I think it's definitely I think it's worth the $20 that it is, but for anyone that I know, I I can't say I'd recommend paying $20 for it if you're going to buy it outright again, put it on sale 10 bucks absolutely. But final thoughts is like you said it's on game pass so if you've got game pass it's it's worth your time it, it really is yeah so overall i'd say this is a must download but i think that's going to do it for us this week if you enjoyed listening don't forget to like comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to this fine podcast because we are on everything uh we're even looking at a way to possibly be on youtube if with possible some footage as well but you know tell us who you agree with uh we have a I put up a little post on our Facebook page. We would love to hear your theories. Uh, if you guys have some other theories besides us, or if you want to, you know, tell us if you who you agree with and what other points you could probably think of to kind of argue or agree with us, we would absolutely love to hear it. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Game Pass Grab Bag. We are also at Twitter at GPGB Pod. Or if you want to write us an email and talk to us directly, you can tell us. If we're doing a good job or a terrible job, we are at GamePassGrabBag at gmail.com. I have been your wonderful hardcore gamer host, Andrew. You can follow me on Xbox Live at Firebird01844, where I will stream on Mixer as well with the same username, usually with the games we're doing, which next week is my pick. I apologize. Last week, I forgot to uh, announce this game. So we unless forgive you. Were, you. Unless <laughs> you were following us on Twitter and saw that, you know, I was bringing this game that we were doing either Finch. But the game I'm picking is Prey, which I'm very excited for because I did play the original back on, I think it was the three, yeah, it was on the 360. So this game's kind of a reboot. I don't know. It's, it's, it's meant to be like a whole new series, but it just came on Game Pass and I'm super excited to get into it. Uh, and then I'm Keith, as always, and forever <laughs> will be. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Keith Lynch one two one. You can find me on Xbox, Little Fluffy, uh, streaming on Mixer under the same name. You can just go to my Twitter too, because there's a link to my Mixer, and yeah, you can follow me there. Get notifications when I'm streaming. Uh, sometimes I'm streaming these games. A lot of times I am, but I'm also playing other games. So come hang out. What if you get married and your wife makes you change your last name? Then you won't always be Keith Lynch. Dang it. I don't know. Yeah, so you just we'll lied we'll to our audience. That, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, you never know. If, like, if Kate Beckinsale came to me tomorrow and was like, hey, Keith, you want to get married and change your last name? I'd be like, yeah. Oh, my I'll be gosh. Kate Beckinsale forever. Keith Beckinsale forever and Kate Beckinsale. Hashtag Keith Beckinsale forever and always. <laughs> well, no, because I'll show up with wings next time. <laughs> And I've been Liz the Boob. Uh, you can... <laughs> I think you said it super nasally. The Boob. Liz the Boob. I mean, it's on board, like Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was rude. And I've been Liz the Noob. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Liz the Noob, but Noob is EW. I don't... I'm not on Mixer. Um, you you will should... be. I will be. Yeah, we're going to make you. Yes, we're going to be putting some sweet YouTubes and we got to show some of your 